0: This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in premium quality travel gear. With slim, stylish gear like the Taskin Edge Professional Laptop Backpack for business and travel, save thirty percent on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR. Take thirty at taskinsf.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick.
1: Netflix finds itself with a three-body problem.
0: Holy copycat crimes, Batman! The wicked similarities between the trailers for The Batman and David Fincher's classic, Seven.
1: The Matrix 4 is reshaping reality in 2022, but without Agent Smith or Morpheus.
0: Oh man. Plus, the summer movie season that wasn't, loaded questions, and a whole lot more.
1: And it all starts right here, right now.
0: On the one show where everybody puts chicks before ricks.
1: And everybody rules
0: the world. Hey, everybody, welcome to an all new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Wolf Blitzer. I mean, Rick Wooden. How you doing, Rick?
1: i'm doing great you know so so today is a little bit of a dichotomy so on one hand it is 108 degrees outside today which is terrible down here in the south bay uh fortunately i do have an air conditioner but you know it is it is blazing hot but uh more exciting news is a game that i have been waiting to come out for a very long time came out today and arrived in my mailbox and that is the new tony hawk Uh, video game. It's actually a remaster of the first two games he made way back in the late 90s and uh, updated with current graphics. And I got the special edition with his skateboard. I think it's signed by him or maybe printed his signature on it. I'm very, very stoked.
0: Good. Now it did come with full body padding and a helmet, I hope.
1: (laughs) You know, it didn't. But you know, so here's the thing. So uh, years ago, like maybe... About ten years ago, he came out with a version that had a plastic skateboard, like a video game. Came with the plastic skateboard had sensors on it, and so as you tilted and rocked the skateboard back and forth, you moved in the game as well. Oh, cool! Uh, it had little sensors on the side, so if you put your hand on it, it would detect that and it would do a grab. That was the one that needed the pads. I can't tell you how many times I fall, I fell <laughs> off that, and you know, bumped into a dresser or whatever. It was, uh, it was, it was a mess. It was a hot mess.
0: That's pretty cool. Now, is this something that's going to be like all-time collector's edition? I mean, are you going to be able to sell that for a million bucks in 20 years or something? It's a limited edition, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. But, you know, I, I... I grew up as a skateboarder, so I, I just have a real soft spot for Tony Hawk in the video games. I grew up playing them. The soundtrack on it is like a time capsule. It's amazing. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging it.
0: Super cool. Well, what I'm not digging quite as much for my week this past week, you you probably heard about the pilots flying into LAX getting all miffed about the guy in the jetpack flying around at 3,000 feet zooming past the jet airlines. Well, it wasn't me this time, I swear. I spent the week just sweating bullets, Rick. I mean, I was thinking, "Ah, there's gonna be a knock at the door any minute and nobody needs that. I mean, that is a lesson I do not need to learn a fourth time. So without further ado, we have a massively multifaceted two-man look at marketing media, tech, and pop culture for our listeners today. And it all starts with a little something we like to call Rick and Rick Radar Love. First up, Netflix has a three body problem. Is this like the three chin problem? Are the aliens up upping us with something? What what is this?
1: Yeah, so this is uh this is something I'm kind of excited about. So uh, some of the, the showrunners from Game of Thrones is uh, working on a new series with Netflix called The Three-Body Problem. And I, I kept wondering, like, what is that about? What is the name about? And uh, The Three-Body Problem is, you know, three celestial uh, objects interacting with one another. That's what The Three-Body Problem is. Be like. The moon the sun the earth you know that sort of thing but anyway yeah. so there it's a it's a it's a it's a brand new sci-fi series uh it's you know based on uh some novels with a, the same name i've read just a little bit about it. it they've just teased enough about it to get me interested in it uh but you know it looks like that uh we may have a another show to, to kind of suck us in
0: yeah and that is from a series i think there are at least three in this series so far maybe more did you see anything about budget for this because that that's pretty ambitious
1: yeah the i've only seen a little bit about it they talked about you know maybe some of the the cost running you know Potentially through the, the the whole series, running close to a billion dollars, which is just an astronomical figure. Given how Pardon expensive, the pun. Yeah, <laughs> given how expensive Game of Thrones is, and you know they're trying to you know create something with the same caliber. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, you could be talking millions of dollars per episode.
0: Well, probably a good move from Netflix, and uh, you know a bankable team, worth the investment to give it a shot. And what also is definitely worth the shot is Matrix Four. I hate the fact that we got to wait till 2022 at the earliest, really, for Matrix Four. But now you're telling me that there ain't no agent smith or morpheus
1: yeah so i'm really excited about the matrix four but i i was really bummed to hear that both agent smith and morpheus were not going to be included uh i guess uh hugo weaving uh who, who plays um agent smith was having some scheduling issues you know he does this uh, stuff on broadway um and so uh you know, the, the, the kind of the schedules didn't line up and uh, Lana decided to just kind of skip it. And so he's not going to be in there. And so it would be kind of interesting to see how that happens. I, I saw some rumors that maybe what they're going to do is just get uh, a different actor that yeah. will be, you know, younger and kind of, you know, play it. Uh, but the one that really surprised me is that uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Mm. Uh, is is playing Morpheus is not going to be in it at all. I mean, he was yeah. such a, a pivotal part of the first three movies. I was uh, I was a little stunned about that, and I, I suppose that could be a explained by just you know the story taking a different direction um but you know his comment was you know i I wasn't even invited i wasn't even you know uh you know requisitioned to be part of the movie which is which which is a little disappointing i gotta
0: say god when was the first so we're talking 1999 was the first one yeah so over 20 years wow now please tell me that they're going to pretend that matrix two and three just didn't happen
1: (laughs) You know, I, I think those movies had potential. I think that they got a little sideways, but uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't remove them
0: from canon. I would have rather have seen them just go to a completely different group of characters discovering they live in the Matrix than take the thread that they took there. They were never going to beat yeah. the first one. That was just a masterpiece. But the other two, I, I just did not care. I, I think I only watched them once in the movies and yeah. never, never needed to see them again.
1: I, actually, I, and I think we might have talked about this one time, in between The Matrix and The Matrix 2, Uh, A DVD came out called the, I think it was a DVD, it may have been VHS, it was so old, uh, called The Animatrix, and it was a bunch of short stories uh, told by different people, you know, different animation styles, the whole thing. It was fantastic. To me, that really should have been kind of the next direction they went, just, you know, something that was a, a very dramatic departure.
0: Yeah, I don't remember how long that was, but it was superior to the second movies. And and it showed that it could have been a great, you know, talk about a Netflix series with a billion buck budget. That would be really cool if it was like that, more anthology style where we met. And and maybe it's anthology style with them all meeting up together toward the end and teaming up to stop the Matrix. That yeah. it could have been super cool.
1: You know, it's gonna be interesting to see how the what the what the new take on this is gonna be, because you know, I mean, it's been 20 years since The Major came out, right? Yeah. I mean, things have moved on. Certainly, the special effects were a big part of it, but then the storytelling itself was also very compelling. Yeah. And at the time, you know, there were a lot of stories that were kind of in that same vein. You and I both talked about the 13th floor. Oh, yeah. We talked about The Matrix, you know, this idea of living in a, in a world within a world where we're all in this virtual representation. And so that really connected with people at the time. It would be interesting to see how they move that forward because the the you know, the social discussions going on today are a little bit different than that, and it would be interesting to see how they're going to latch on to, you know, the current society and, and talking about what matters to us today. In fact,
0: I want to say that I read somewhere that Lana or one of the sisters said that the original movies were an allegory for the trials of transgender folks. I did not pick up on that. I took the movie as a wild exploration of religious and philosophical frameworks for existence, and you know, I just answered my own question, maybe that's what they were seeing it just from that particular lens of gender dysmorphia
1: you know it's kind of like a piece of fine art if you go into you know a a museum and you stare and you look at a piece of fine art it could mean one thing to one person another thing to another person and you know it's a certain extent it's left to the audience to interpret yeah Um, I do wonder if the matrix uh, isn't like that a bit Uh, I will tell you I saw uh, some interviews recently with people that were um, actors from the movie and none of them had any idea that was the case I, <laughs> you know acted in the movie as well so you know I, I think if there were undertones it wasn't very evident to most people but you know if it if it helped Lana and it helps her sister you know move through the the challenges they were having. I mean, you know, kudos to them. I I, I
0: still love the movie. I think it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I loved that movie. And you know, even a simple nod. I think if they wanted to drive it home, is there was no reason any of the real world characters couldn't become different genders in world.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the Wachowski sisters also did a show called Sense Eight.
0: Uh, I don't know if
1: you saw that. I I watched that on Netflix. Uh, it was it was good as well. But that one to me seemed much more like a trans gender allegory than the Matrix did. So it was a little more overt.
0: If I remember correctly, and I only saw one or two episodes, but it was eight different people around the world who were experiencing each other's complete sensation and consciousness. I don't know if they phased on purpose to one another's existence or if one-on-one were connected, I don't remember, but that's a a lot more overt because people were experiencing, literally the experience of another person, even on the other side of the world. Now, everyone wants to experience the other side of the break that we're going to take right now because it's going to be time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. And first up, we're going to be talking about that Batman trailer that bears a striking resemblance to the trailer to David Fincher's classic neo-noir action thriller 7. So stay tuned. Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one (laughs) click at rickandrick.com. Welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. This is Rick Matheson with Rick Rudin and it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. So last episode, we were talking about the Batman trailer that came out, Matt Reeves' big superhero debut with Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. And it looks super cool, but what somebody noticed that the trailer actually is pretty close. I mean, beat for beat, scene for scene, almost identical to the trailer for David Fincher's, what was it, 1995 neo-noir action thriller, I don't know what you call it, psychological thriller, seven, and it's pretty close. Not exact, there's not every frame is exact, but I took this as not a rip off at all, but the, an homage to that movie and really a good shorthand for communicating the, the feel and vibe of what the Batman will be.
1: Once, once you see it, it's hard to unsee it. Yeah. Uh, and and there are a lot of parallels. I did definitely has a very similar feeling. You know, it's uh, And we, we talked about this on the last show. I think I said you know there've been a lot of Batman movies that were um, dark, but this yeah. one is also gritty. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of where um, you see some of the influence of you know seven in this and and you know kind of the parallels. But I mean, when you go scene by scene, it is pretty pretty surprising how many how many scenes in the trailer kind of lined
0: up. I saw this in in Gadget. HBO was doing something interesting to promote its show Lovecraft Country in the form of three different virtual reality events called Lovecraft Country Sanctum. I have not watched the show yet, but my understanding is it's kind of a horror drama series about this young black guy who travels across segregated 1950s US in search of his missing father, and he has to deal with sort of a terror of Jim Crow America as well. well as these sort of horrifying Lovecraftian monsters. So for these experiential promotions, it's 100 influencers. They're going to be invited to experience these events via Oculus Quest headset, while fans will be able to watch and interact over a YouTube live stream. It's going to be like theater and escape rooms and something that they're calling Afrofuturist art installations, uh, puzzles, and, and a live concert, according to a statement that was in Engadget. Influencers will be able to talk to each other through the VR headsets. It's gonna be a shared in virtual environment from who knows, these people can be anywhere around the world, and they'll be able to talk and interact with each other. And then those watching the YouTube live stream will also be able to interact in real time and take part in solving riddles and uh, triggering spells that directly impact the experience. So
1: Yeah, you know, I I watched the, I don't know, trailer, video, whatever, on the, the site that you sent, oh my god this looks amazing yeah. and this is this is the kind of stuff that uh we've kind of been waiting for is somebody to fully take advantage of you know things like the quest where you can have a community we can have large-scale environments uh and that's what they're doing here quality's a little low i was a little disappointed with that but you know overall i i love the idea uh you know and i saw what you meant about you know kind of the you know, escape room kind of idea. And and I I don't know. I I think this is fantastic. I hope that, you know, once the main event is over, they open this up for, you know, the rest of us who have the VR headsets to come in and try it out.
0: HBO don't know how to do things wrong, you know, when it comes to experiential. And uh, this will probably be groundbreaking, this this VR experience.
1: You know, HBO, you got to get us in there. Rick and, I, yes. Rick and I want to experience this. Uh, we'll, right. definitely, uh, we'll definitely talk your praises.
0: What else we will be talking about is a bunch of loaded questions, which are coming up after this next break. This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in premium quality travel gear with slim, stylish gear like the Taskin Edge professional laptop backpack for business and travel. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR. take 30 at TaskinSF.com. Welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. This is Rick Matheson with Rick Wooten, and it's time to play loaded questions. Question number one this week. PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals, is upset with Elon Musk, A, because who isn't? B, for sending monkeys up into space to retrieve the sunglasses he left in the visor of Starman's Roadster. C, for testing at Neuralink on pigs. Or D, all of the above. PETA is upset with Elon Musk because of what?
1: <laughs> I would to say all of the above, but I think it was testing that early gunfigs.
0: You are correct. So according to Futurism, Elon Musk is in hot water with PETA after his big Neuralink event this past week. Now, all told, the announcement that he's been testing the Neuralink brain implant interface on live pigs seemed about as well thought out as smashing a metal ball through Cybertruck's windows to prove they're bulletproof. <laughs> Question two, US ad spending for full year 2020 is expected to A, get Instagram famous, B, launch a GoFundMe page, C. Rise 8% from 2019, thanks wholly to increased spend in digital, or D. Decline 8%. U.S. ad spending for full year 2020 is expected to do what? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to decrease 8%. You are correct. Our media post is reporting that an IAB survey of buy side executives finds that U.S. ad spend for full year 2020 is expected to decline 8% versus 2019, but digital ad spend will actually expand. Okay, final question. Which of the following is officially 2020's summer box office champion? A, Marvel's New Mutants, B, Tenant, C, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, or D, Bill and Ted Get S*** Faced. Which of these (laughs) appears to be the summer 2020 box office champ?
1: I don't think it's Bill and Ted, uh, so I'm going to guess Tenet.
0: You are correct. I believe you've gotten all the answers this time, so awesome. According to Box Office Mojo, Warner Brothers' Tenet is the number one movie of summer 2020, and apparently it did okay given the circumstances. It made $20 million in the domestic box office and roughly $150 million worldwide. Now, in normal times, by comparison, Christopher Nolan movie will open been between $53 million to $63 million, uh, domestically and go up from there. So it's a far cry from that. But I did not expect it to do $20 million in its opening weekend. So uh, there are signs of life at the Cineplex. Well, look at the time here, folks. We got to make like French bread and baguette. Rick Wooten, give us your Twitter handle. My
1: Twitter handle is at Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-E-N. And how about and yourself?
0: I'm at Rick Matheson. You can also reach the two of us on Twitter at Rick and Rick Rule. On Facebook, at Rick and Rick Rule the World and on the web at rickandrick.com. And if you're digging Rick and Rick, be sure to subscribe to the show. And while you are at it, do us a big solid and give us a five star review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. And I think it qualifies for at least one good deed for the day, right, Rick?
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. Stay safe, everybody. And be sure to keep on coming back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick
1: and everybody rules the world.